You're listening to the Mini Market Podcast presented by Tellum Sports. Welcome back to your favorite pro alliteration podcast. It's the Mini Market Pod. The gang's all here. Episode five. How are we doing, guys? We back in this. Feeling good, feeling light. Episode five, baby. Big news of the week, the twins. Big free agent signing, pickup, shortstop, and Drelton Simmons for a year. How do we feel about that? Well, now that I know that's how you say his first name, I feel a little bit better. I I just wasn't quite sure. <laughs> um, Great point. Yeah. But um, I think, you know, it's, it feels like a very classic Twins move. Um, you know, he's obviously a very good shortstop and um, has a four-time Gold Glove Award winner. But, I mean, I think we've discussed it before. It's not the big splash that anyone was really hoping for. But um, I think it's certainly an upgrade at the, at the shortstop position, even, even for one season. So, Ice cold takes for me last week on trading for a big shortstop. So let's uh, <laughs> redact that. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I was it was interesting to see. Uh, I think he's like a career two seventy hitter, um, so like pretty pretty average. He's played over a thousand games, so that that feels like a good sign. Like this is guy who's been around the block. He only has sixty seven home runs, so um, he's not exactly fitting into the Bomba squad mentality there. But uh, that could be good because I think he gets on base a decent amount. He's also not a base stealer, which is probably good because. We don't, the twins don't really believe in stealing bases. So I feel like he fits a little bit that way. One of my big concerns, like I like the idea of like upgrading at shortstop and, you know, Jorge Polanco is just injury ridden and he's just a below average defensive shortstop, which if there's one position on the field that you want to go defense, it's probably like catcher or shortstop. Right. So I like the move, but I kind of just wish they would have gone with like gone after, and maybe they did, but DD Gregorius, who's like a better hitter. Like he can play a decent shortstop, but he hits with some power, hits with some average. So I think I would have rather them gone with Didi Gregorius, but it depends what the money situation's like. I think he re-signed with the Phillies. So overall, I think it's I think it's solid. Uh I, I'm like super with this. I wish we could get him for more than one. Like I hope they re-sign him after this year. I'm I like him. I've always liked him. Um, and if you haven't already watched like two hours of his defensive highlights, I would say maybe pause the podcast right here and go and do that and then come back because if like and subscribe and comment review. <laughs> he's just so fun to watch play defense. And I think that'll be a nice mix up uh, from what we've had at shortstop in the past. Dalton, you tweeted out that stat this week about run saved Polanco versus uh, Simmons. And it was like, surprising how big that gap was yeah if you go back to 2017 through 2020 Simmons was a plus 73 for runs saved and Polanco was minus 23 for runs saved so that's almost a hundred run difference wow from just one position which is absolutely bonkers and when you're right Ike when you watch his YouTube highlights they're just absurd like your jaw's just on the floor the whole time You'll be so ready for spring if you watch this. Like, you'll just be buzzing, absolutely buzzing. Um, and I think if you if you extrapolate that stat out about the 100 run saves into one season, I'd say the Twins just win 162 games this year because they'll save all the runs. No team will score against us. If if I understand the, the stat right. What's the point of playing the schedule? It's, we're wasting our time by playing the games. This thing, we're done, baby. Lock it up. Let's just hang those pennants now. 
all the AL teams start accumulating draft picks because it's not your year this year. It's the Twins year. We're, we're locking down defensively and still hitting some bombas. I, I had a similar thought uh, to you, Connor. Is like He doesn't really fit into what the Twins have been doing in the past few years in terms of their lineup. Uh, you said it. He doesn't really hit home runs. He doesn't have like a great career average. Um, but I, I like the low strikeout numbers. I think that was important to me because I feel like that's something that's really hurt the twins in the playoffs is like they get into this rut where one through nine, every single guy's trying to hit a home run every single at bat. And like, it doesn't put any pressure on the defense or the opposing pitchers. Uh, it actually makes the game really easy for them to like pitch consistently with nobody on base. Like there's value to having guys on base. And I think he might be able to do that a little bit, but I don't know, like thinking about the twins lineup, it's kind of interesting right now. I was looking at, you got Kepler, Donaldson, Cruz. Yeah, he's going to resign. I'm sticking to that take. You heard it here first. Yep. And then you got Polanco, Sano, Garver. Then you put in Simmons maybe in the seven slot, maybe eight. And then you either flip that with Cave or Kirilov, whoever's going to be playing more, and then Buxton at nine. Like, that Twins lineup could be pretty dangerous if you look at it like that. It's deep. I, I like that a lot. When you look at Simmons' strikeout numbers, like you're saying, Isaiah, they're super impressive. Before 2020, for five straight seasons, he was in the top 1% of the league for strikeout rate, which is absurd. And then, like, everyone loves Luis Arise because he's the one guy in the twin squad that just battles up there and puts the ball in play consistently. And Arise has an 8.2 career strikeout rate, 8.2%, and Simmons is 8.7. So they're, like, the same guy. So we're going to have a couple guys in the lineup now who are going to go up there and battle, which is which is nice, a nice change up from like Cruz or Sano, who's like the ultimate boomer bust player. And you saw like the value that Arise gave to this lineup in 2019 when he was like, 2020 was a tough year for him. He wasn't really healthy the whole year, but in 2019, like he was really, really dynamic for the offense. Uh, and it was par- partially due to that low strikeout rate. Like he just got on base. He made pitchers work a little bit because if you, if you have an eight pitch at bat, if you have a 10 pitch at bat, the pitcher's tired for the next hitter, regardless of the result of your at-bat. If you have a long at-bat, he's tired for the next hitter, and he might make a mistake. And then with this lineup, he's making a mistake to Kepler. He's making a mistake to Donaldson, and those go out of the park. Yeah, kind of uh, just slightly moving around the topic a little bit, but you brought up Kepler, and I'd just like to get out there on my take that I feel like he's a horrible outfielder. Like, we're kind of talking about defense. And does anybody else get this feeling? Like, I don't know if the numbers support that at all, but like the eye test, dude sucks in the outfield. And he also has a weaker arm than me, and I have a torn labrum right now. So, like, I think I, I like him not very high on Kepler in general. And I don't even know why. Like, he's a he's a fun guy, like he he hits the ball pretty good, but I think he's a brutal outfielder. And I kind of would like to see them upgrade from him in the next couple of years. But it seems like he's like a he's one of those guys who's a for sure lifer twin. I think he's he's too beautiful and you're jealous <laughs> of him is what I'm hearing. That might be part of it, honestly. He is a handsome dog. Yeah, don't you didn't you remember the uh the old twins uh I think it was a hashtag from a couple of seasons ago, nothing falls but raindrops in the outfield or something like that. <laughs> yeah, the problem is is when he catches a ball in short right field, he still has to hit the cut just to get into the infield, which is a little alarming for me, but. That's what they teach you in Little League. Hit your cutoff, man. He's just playing the game the right way, Kern. Yeah, they teach you that, but for him, it's a necessity. Most guys could throw it to second. He can't make it there. 
right field is a position that is not a defensive. Like if your if your team is built about around a defensive right fielder, you have a bad lineup. And so I think it's it's a spot when you have Buxton in center, if you can handle a little bit like lower defense. But I don't know, Dalton, do you have a take on his defense? Well, I've got some numbers to uh, contradict Connor's claims. I agree, he's got a noodle arm. So when he's in center field, and I think I think like the right right field feels like a bad spot for him with a noodle arm. Like it isn't like right and center. That's where you put your better arms, don't you? And like, or is left just where you hit? You put your best hitter. Is that how that works? Because like I don't know. I just feel like he should be in left, if anything, because that way he can actually make a throw to third, which would be fun. It was always kind of weird that they put Rosario in left when he had a cannon. Yeah, but I think that was just because, you know, you put him out there. It's easier to play at Target Field because it doesn't have the overhang and stuff. But yeah, he had a rocket, and then Kepler's kind of got a noodle arm. But going yeah. back to uh, Kepler's defensive statistics, so if you look at his defensive runs saved, he's plus twenty-seven in his career in right field, and he averaged like six defensive runs saved uh, over the last three seasons. And then if you look at his outs above average, he average he was so 2016 he was 15 outs above average 2017 eight outs then nine outs seven outs last year he was exactly average but over his career he's like seven eight nine outs above average so he is a better than average fielder just going on the advanced statistics we'll just delete this part of the podcast (laughs) out then i think but but i will stand by his arm socks and i don't think anybody can dispute that like he's got a rag arm i'm thinking of the gift where he like is a he's like fields the ball and he's about to throw and he like slips and spikes it like that is like normal course of business for him is kind of how I feel about that like I would want to go disc golfing with him because I know I would murder him in disc golf and I haven't played in 18 years so pretty much ever um just because I know he's got such a weak little arm one thing about Kepler when he had to play center field for like 40, 50 games two seasons ago, he complained to the Twins management that playing center field makes him tired because he had to run further between innings. Are you kidding me? That's just a soft move. Oh, my I mean, God. He's a, he's a pretty guy, but that's that's a that's a pretty boy move. <laughs> Got to tough that one out, Max. All of Germany is just so disappointed. They just pride themselves on being so tough. And he's like, I just don't want to take the extra 15 steps. You can either be pretty or you can be gritty, but you can't be both. And I'll take pretty from Cap. We got enough gritty guys. We need a little pretty in this lineup. <laughs> it keeps the fans engaged. Who would you say is the Twins' grittiest player? Like, I think Kepler's the prettiest. Who's the Twins' grittiest player? Tortuga. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, the turtle. That's actually a good one. I, I feel like you, you almost have to give it – and Tortuga falls into this, but you, like, have to give it to a catcher, right? Like, those guys are just naturally gritty. Like, I feel like I'm going with Jeffers. I was going to say, it's probably the backup catcher because that guy's still trying to make a name for himself. Like, Garver had that good year two years ago, and then, you know, he was just kind of injured all last season, didn't really play. So now Jeffers is coming on the scene. I would say for, like, an actual, like, starter, it might be Donaldson, for real. Like, that dude for being a superstar is really gritty. The way he takes that bats, the way he feels, like, he just, he loves baseball, and you can see it, and that's grit. He's got an edge for sure, and I love it. Big fan. Um, one other thing I saw when I was kind of looking at the Twins roster today that I thought was interesting, it's honestly a little bit sad. Um, there's 15 players that's younger that are younger than us on the 38-man roster right now because I don't think they have a full 40. 15 players are younger than all of us. 
That's a wild realization that I had today. Like I was seeing like 97, 99 birthdays and I was like, holy crap, that's wild. The question is how many guys are older than us? Because then, you know, we still got a shot technically. Yeah, we're in our prime, baby. You just got to get that labrum fixed in your back. That's right. That's right. Willing to sign. I'd like to put it out there right now. Twins, I'm willing to enter into contract negotiations. Um, just need to get the shoulder fixed. I'll be back to throwing 78 miles an hour. It's called changing speeds. It's very effective. Location, location, location. Pitching's a lot like buying a house. It's all about location, baby. <laughs> all right. On that, we should probably move on. Actually, I want to put a bow on this uh, this Simmons signing. So I was looking into... Oh, is that what we were talking about? Yeah, I kind of, kind of, kind of forgot about that. <laughs> I was looking into his defensive numbers um, and looking at like about outs above average, um, specifically. And 2017, the last full season that he and Polanco played, Simmons was 16 outs above average. Polanco was 16 outs below average. And most of Polanco's outs below average were when he was coming in. So they classified as like they do outs above average going to your left going to your right, going back and coming in. So overall, he was minus 16, and most of that came when he was coming in. He was minus 11 when he was coming in, which to me makes it seem like it was when he was charging the ball, so when he had to rush it. Um, and they they said they're going to shift him. He's going to be the full-time second baseman. So he was like a league average shortstop other than when he was coming in. So now that he's at second base and he has some more time, I think he's going to actually be an above-average second baseman, which is kind of sick for the Twins. Like, when he's charging the ball, he's going to have time to sort of set himself most of the time, which you don't have the opportunity to do so at short. And then the fact that he, Polanco was average going to his left and his right at shortstop, putting him at second base, he's going to have the same range as a shortstop, but putting him on the other side of second base. So I think the infield's going to be pretty sick this year with Donaldson, Simmons, and Polanco, and then Buxton up the middle. Jeffers is, is an above-average catcher. It's going to be fun to watch. Is is uh, Arise just like uh, going to be the backup second baseman then? or He's filling the Marwin role. He's going to be the utility guy because he played some outfield in 2019 when he first came up. I think he played left, so they're going to sort of shift him around. He'll be an everyday guy, but positionless. Yeah, I saw them uh, refer to him as the new super utility guy, which I'm uh, I'm big on board with that. Got to get him a cape. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Dalt. I like just thinking back on most of the plays that Polanco messed up on, and, and it was, it wasn't even like bad throws. He would like rush the transfer, and he dropped it. I like have a vivid memory of like consistently. Anytime he had to charge the ball, it was like a coin flip on whether or not he's going to be able to get the transfer. So uh, maybe knowing that he might have a a split second more time will allow him to focus on getting that ball out of his glove but I will say this I think that just assuming that second base is way easier than shortstop is um, bogus and unwarranted what position did you play in college? unrelated <laughs> unnecessary don't we don't need to talk about that I'm just saying like, I think second base needs a little bit more respect it has you know it has its own quirks too the ball comes off a little bit different over there especially when you got lefties like that spin's gonna be a little bit different there's gonna be a learning curve I think for Polanco for sure and just assume that he's gonna step in and be a league above league average second baseman he's never turned a ball from that side of the infield like I, I don't know that's just my take on it i don't really have any experience there personally but just from what i've seen from things we're reading and seeing that's that's great insight thanks ike <laughs> all right so let's move on to a new segment we're coming at you every week with new segments we're just shotgunning all kinds of segments something's gonna stick 
this week's new segment, we're calling it crossover careers. So we're looking at current Minnesota athletes that we think could be great in a regular job, a job that you and I might have, the average Joe. So guys, what do we think? Crossover careers. Who wants to go first? Okay, I'll go first. And I got to say, it took me like a really long time to go through. I was going through all the Minnesota rosters and it took me a long time to got to find a guy with a four-year degree, somebody who finished their four-year degree. Um, and I'm not saying that's like vitally important to having a regular job. Uh, you know, you got some of the world's biggest and brightest stars. Um, you got who didn't, didn't graduate from college. You got Zuckerberg, you know, Bill Gates, Gary V. You all know the list of guys who have done. Don't put Gary V in that group. <laughs> that makes me sick. That's snake oil salesman. <laughs> that was so casual. And I know you were just hoping to sneak it in there. And Dalton's like, McKembe Matumbo or whatever his name is. Just no, no, no. Like I said, great names. Uh, America's brightest leaders. You all know the list. You've heard it a thousand times. But here's the thing. Those people have done incredible things and have kind of set out on their own, right? But to get a regular job in corporate America, you need a degree. You need a four-year degree. And it's just, it's just like what you have to do to get that nine to five. You need a four-year degree. If you've worked in an office, you know you're in the land of communication majors. You know that's who you're going to be working next to. And it's just like how you get the interview. So going through that list, I, I got to a guy. Um, who I actually think is perfect for corporate America, uh, Sean Mannion, backup quarterback. I think his liberal arts studies degree that he got from Oregon State University is a perfect fit for corporate America. Like I, I think he's ideally qualified for any job in corporate America with that degree. I think, it, you know, the, it sounds like a degree you'd get at ITT Tech, I think. But it's just, you know, it's broad reaching, it has wide scope. It can allow him to kind of find the path that works best for him. Um, but then a couple other things on Sean Mannion is like, one is that he literally holds every single passing record in Oregon State football history. Like he was incredible there, tons of accolades, uh, lit it up, absolutely lit it up. But in four years in the NFL, he has 74 pass attempts. And if that doesn't scream enterprise will pick you up employee i don't know what does like a guy who's just a stud in college but just can't make it at the next level he's either selling vacuums or he's working an enterprise and and like then i go you go you learn a little bit more about the guy right you want to know what he's like if you're going to hire a guy like this you really want to know are they going to gel with the team that you have at the office because that's really what it's all about it doesn't matter what you're qualified for is like can you be a guy at the office that people like to talk to and I found out that he loves his Traeger smoker. And if you know anybody who has a Traeger smoker, that is a all-time conversation starter. I'm just imagining Sean Mannion. It's Friday at 2.30. You're sitting at your desk. You're trying to punch out a few emails before the weekend. And he comes strolling by to your corner office. And he's like, hey, man, what's up? What are you doing this weekend? And you like start to tell him your plans for the weekend. But somehow he wiggles that conversation right back to the Traeger smoker. And he's going to let you know what he's got going on this weekend on the track. What kind of wood is he going to use? What's the temperature that it's going to be at? What kind of flavor profiles do you get in the salmon when you're using cedar wood? You know, he's going to work it back to the Traeger smoker. And I'm, I love that because that's a conversation that can, if, if he starts it at two 30, you can work that thing to four, four forty-five Even if you ask a few leading questions, essentially, like 
Have you ever tried pork on there? Oh, I've tried pork. Oh, what kind of wood's good for pork? Like he will get you to the weekend. And I love that. That's amazing. I think one thing that shouldn't be overlooked about that too, is no one is more excited for work from home than a Sean Mannion working at enterprise or wherever and him getting to fire up the Traeger at like noon, just like it's Friday, it's noon working from home. Let's just go fire it up. Let's go throw a little shrimp on the Bobby. Well, shit, you know, it's Tuesday afternoon. He's getting a chicken breast on there for lunch and he's, he's hitting you on jabber, letting you know that he's doing it. And you're like, Sean, send me a pic when you're done. I'd love to see how you flavored that thing. Uh, additionally, the guy just loves sports. Like he's a huge fan and he's all over the board, which makes him really fun. Like he loves the Blazers. He loves the Giants. He loves the Cardinals. So like which Giants? Uh, baseball Giants. Mm. Makes no sense. How do you love the Giants and the Cardinals? It doesn't matter because he'll always have something to talk about related to sports. And that's a good thing. And, you know, he really likes to fish. That's another great conversation starter in the office. And uh, Saving Private Ryan, and it's in his top three movies of all time. So if you don't like a guy like that at your office, you probably need to find a new job. Sean Mannion. It's a guy's, it's a guy's guy. I get, guarantee hire Sean Mannion. Honestly, after that, like, I want to hang out with him. Like, he just sounds like a great guy. And I'm not a huge fisher, but I just, I feel like I, I'd love to have you on the pod, Sean, if you're listening. Um, we'd love to have you on to maybe talk about your Traeger and, and some other things. But uh, yeah, it just seems like a guy I want to hang out with. I did not know any of that about him, but I love him. I will say one more thing about Sean Mannion. My favorite thing, that man is always locked and loaded on the sidelines, ready to get in the game. His helmet is always on and strapped up. So this is a guy who's going to get the job done when he is called upon. Shout out Sean Mannion. Right. Like if you're his, if you're his boss and you tap him at 1045 for an 11 a.m. meeting that you know he didn't prepare for, but you need him to lead it. He'll come through. He's going to be ready. Like he prepares for everything. And that's, that's a great employee. I can go next here. Um, <clears throat> very similar. Same, uh, same room here. Same quarterback room at the Vikings. I'm going with Kirk Cousins. You know, we all know he's a really nice guy. He's kind of a Midwest guy. Um, went to Michigan State. Was very straight arrow. Kind of a bookworm. Academic all Big Ten. You know, I just see him. This, I mean, this could potentially be his route after after football, retiring, becoming a friendly neighborhood eye doctor. I think, you know, what? <laughs> just let, let, hear me up, hear me up, hear me up. Don't get too so, friendly. Hey, he's just, you know, he's a guy who you can just have small talk with, and I just can picture him saying, "Oh, great, yeah, great to see you again. You know, how's the family? How's the kids? All right, here's number one." or two one or two yeah oh boy did you catch that game last night what a nail biter that was okay three or four three or four so my personal favorite though about all of this is do you guys know what that little sheet when you cover your eyes on and you look and supposed to read the letters are going to say each line will say you like that (laughs) and the more i was thinking about this you know it fits so well at least to me i wouldn't be surprised if he at least gave zimmer some advice on his eye situation at some point in the last few years so it's always nice to have a guy like that we haven't seen zim with the uh the dark glasses in a while so 
just saying maybe Kurt's giving a little a little something on the side, giving him some advice, get that get that thing figured out. I like that, but I don't know if I'd trust my eyes to a guy who can't see a linebacker. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that take. I think I think I mean I feel like Kirk is so versatile. Like you just look at him and he just looks like a, us. Like he just looks like one of us. Like you're like, is he, if he comes up to you and he goes, yeah, I'm a, I'm an accountant. I, I work at this small accounting firm. You're like, yep, that makes sense. If he's like, yeah, no, I actually, I just started, uh, I just started uh, managing a dicks and you're just like, well, duh. There's like, you didn't even need to tell me that. I can tell. Like he is a guy who he would thrive wearing khakis every day. Like, I think Kirk probably sleeps in khakis one to two times a week. Like, that's just the kind of guy he looks like. So I think an eye doctor is great. Um, humble brag here. I've never been to an eye doctor, so I don't always Ooh. know everything. Yeah, 2020 vision. Um, but but I love the one or two. <laughs> that killed me. <laughs> How short would he look in a white smock? Like, would that make him look even shorter? Kind of the way that the purple jersey makes him look really short on the field. Would the white smock not be good for him? Vertical stripes, though. He'd have vertical stripes, that's for sure. If we're good on Kirk, I think I'll uh, I'll take over here. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna set the scene. This is not a frills guy. I'm just going right into it. Dan Bailey, the author. I think it makes sense, but you know, not just any author, self help he's a self-help author <laughs> you know why so he's right you can just already see him at home honestly he might do some of this in the offseason I didn't run across anything but just in his spare time like this is a guy who plays the most underappreciated position in sports retweet I think all kickers have had that moment where like if you are talking to a coach that's not your position coach you are just scrambling, praying he says one thing positive about you. Like, right? Like, you're just in this – you get pulled into the head coach's office and you're just like, shit, what did I do? It's the principal's office basically for kickers. Like, you don't go in there for good things. And you know he's just telling himself, like, I can do this. I'm a valued member of this team. They need me. Don't you cry. Don't you cry. And I'm picturing Johnny Knoxville at the beginning of The Ringer. I think it's at the beginning – and he's playing this recording. He's got headphones on. It's the ringer. And, uh, and he's playing this recording. And it's like, I'm a man. I can do this. And he repeats it out loud before he goes and asks for, like, a, a raise. Like, I see Dan Bailey doing something similar to that where he's like, I can do this. I can do this. And I think kickers being kind of like a shunned position, I bet you talk to yourself a lot. Like, I bet he's got three or four conversations going on in his head. And I think it's just a great time to get that out. Another point is that he, he's a philanthropist. He's charitable. He's worked with Make-A-Wish um, and the Salvation Army. So, like, he's got good character. Like, he's a guy who builds people up no matter what he's doing. So he would be great at being a self-help. Another thing that people a lot of times don't know about him, he's actually pretty smart. He got his pilot's license, which I can't imagine. That's an easy thing to do. And he was valedictorian of his high school graduating class at Southwest Covenant, go Patriots. And so like, he's clearly a smart guy. Two, two things on those two like fun facts about him. One, I'm pretty sure planes fly themselves now, uh, if I know anything about uh, aviation. Not, not, not and, the one he owns. Two, yeah, owns a plane. Yeah, okay. And two, that graduating class sounds like maybe maximum 25 students from that Southwest Christian High or whatever it was. Cannot confirm nor deny. 
how big his graduating class was, but valedictorian nonetheless. <laughs> so the last point I'd like to make about him, why he would be a self-help book writer, he's resilient. Like this is a guy who deals with emotional swings. And one story that specifically comes to mind that's kind of funny. So he's a walk-on at Arkansas on an academic scholarship. Well, for football players, if you get an academic scholarship, it like counts towards the group scholarship, even for the athletic side. Otherwise, you'd just give everyone an athletic or an academic. He loses the kicking competition and is asked to leave the team because of his academic scholarship, which is awesome. Like, could you imagine having that guy in and you have to like kick him off your team because you're like, hey, we know you're smart. Like you got this academic scholarship. We can't actually have you on the team anymore. And then he goes to Oklahoma State and blossoms, lights it up. He's resilient. He's tough. And that's why he'd be great at just boosting other people up. That actually is pretty smart of him because if I were him in that position, I would have just been like, sweet, don't have to do any schoolwork for the next few months, taking this semester off. <laughs> Drop that GPA a little bit. He did take, um, what do they call that? They took a year off, but what do you know, people gap call it? Gap year? Yeah, yeah, he took a gap To year. find himself. He kind of went to Europe for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible experience. Which is such a self-help author move, by the way. Take a gap year and go to Europe. Stayed in hostels, met so many interesting people. Like, I just can't even explain it. So I didn't go with a Vikings player. I went with a Wolves player here. Keep in mind, I did make this after a crushing defeat to the 76ers this week. So I went with D'Angelo Russell. And I thought, what could D'Angelo be? I think he could be a mailman. Now, you might be tracking. You think, oh, because he delivers. No. No, he doesn't deliver. Think about mailmen. They'll occasionally surprise you. They'll show up early. You'll order something. Comes a couple days early. You're pumped. You're excited. You're like, wow, that mailman, what a great mailman. But when you really need something, is it ever on time? No, it's not. It's always late. And they always have an excuse. Bad weather. You know, we lost it. Oh, it's in the facility somewhere. But it's never on time. And is there any accountability? No, you can't review your mailman. There's no competition with the U.S. Postal Service. <laughs> It's a monopoly. Now, it is a natural monopoly, which is a good thing. We can get into that another time. But <laughs> Yale. <laughs> but there is no accountability. Now, think about D'Angelo Russell. Good player. Scores some points. Has some good games. But the Wolves absolutely suck. And everyone says, well, cats hurt. Well, D'Angelo Russell was an all-star. You deserve some wins yourself. Make some plays. Make some winning plays, D'Angelo. All I want is a couple wins. We're the second worst team in the league. <laughs> the worst team in the league is the Washington Wizards. They beat you by 20 without Russell Westbrook. I wanted those goddamn Christmas cards out before Christmas, D'Angelo. Deliver. Look, you can't blame an individual mailman for years and years of debilitating, crippling policy changes. The U.S. Postal Service has been absolutely decimated by the politicians in Washington who don't care about you and me. And let's not blame the individual mailman putting his ass out there on the line every single day delivering your mail. Whether it's on time or whether it's late is not his fault. Rain, sleet, snow. There's an analogy in there somewhere, and I'm not sure where it is, but I think it means that Glenn Taylor is at fault here, and it's not D'Angelo. Glenn Taylor is a Minneapolis sports hero. He should go down as a hero. I will not sit here and listen to this slander. <laughs> this is a smear campaign on Glenn Taylor. Anyway, back to your regular scheduled programming. 
I like D'Angelo as a mailman. I would definitely tip him on the holidays. Like seeing him, he seems like he'd lighten the mood when he comes through. You're like, oh, what's up, D'Angelo? Hey, man, how's it? How's the week going? And he hits you with the you know, same old, same old. Just, just living the dream. That kind of thing. I think the postal office uh, workers' outfit is already really, really cool. A lot of swag there, but I think he would turn that swag up to ten. I could see him pulling off some incredible fits with the U.S. postal workers outfit. Like, you know, he's rolling the shorts up, getting the short shorts going a little bit in the summer. You know, he's going to find his way into a like bucket hat version of the U.S. postal hat. He's going to be for, for sure. He's probably going to fashion a pair of those pants into capris and pull it off incredibly. Like I, I could get down with him in that outfit. Like, I think he should wear that for the a pregame one time. I think that would, you know, number one, would show a lot of support for the postal workers out there who are grinding nice. day in, day out. would really love to see it. And number two, I just think he could really rock it. I think that'd be awesome. One thing I think we should be acknowledging here about the U.S. Postal Service is, like, they are kind of – they're on some cutting-edge, like, outfit stuff. Like, actually, delivery people. They, they had the short shorts way when, when, when baggy was cool. Mm-hmm. And, like, they were cutting edge on that stuff. They've always been, you know, like, mid-thigh guys. Especially, like, I feel like a lot of, like, UPS, this is a little more them maybe than mail, but they're, like, jacked. Like, people who deliver things, I feel like, are more often than not jacked. Yeah, why, that, that, that's so true, and why is that? What are they doing? I thought they were busy all the time. How do they have that much time to lift? I once, um, at my gym back home, I once saw a UPS guy working out over lunch, didn't even fucking change out of the outfit. Just was throwing heavies. Like, and this dude was a huge, he was benching like 315. I'm like 16. He's like, can I get a spot? I was like, yeah, you want me to go grab one of the women on the elliptical? They look like they can help with my <laughs> Turns out what Brown can do for you is hide sweat stains. Yeah, apparently. So moving on, Super Bowl's coming up this week. Obviously not a Minnesota-related activity in any sense of the term, but what do we think? Um, I'll kick it off here. So a couple interesting little nuggets or just some background. So the Chiefs are 2-1 and one in Super Bowls. Tampa Bay is a cool undefeated 1-0 and oh in Super Bowls. So, I mean, both with uh, minimal experience, but obviously the Chiefs going last year, there's a – there's some experience and then having Tom Brady, who is pretty good at football. Um, that always helps. But one interesting nugget too, is uh, the all time series is actually tied at 27 apiece for the AFC NFC. So that's kind of crazy that it balances out. So I'll, even though the NFC at one point won 13 in a row, like in the, I think it was in the eighties into the nineties. So that's kind of wild. I, I just think, Mahomes is too good to lose. Like, it's hard to go against Brady, but Patrick Mahomes is just unbelievable. I'm going with the Chiefs. I think it's going to be a decently high-scoring game, so I'm going to go with 38-29. to 29. Weird score. Um, two other interesting nuggets. Uh, did you know that uh, 8 million pounds of guacamole is consumed on Super Bowl Sunday? Um, and they use 72 footballs in the Super Bowl. So... That seems pretty COVID friendly to be mixing and matching all those footballs. So good on you, NFL. And how many of those will be deflated? I think that the <laughs> Chiefs Dinger. are also going to win. I'm with you, Kern, but I think it's going to be an absolute blowout. Like I, yep. I think their defense is a lot better than they get credit for. And I you obviously know like the only way to beat Brady is to get pressure on him. But I think that's going to happen. And I think he's going to throw like a. I mean, he threw three picks in the like 
NFC Championship game. If he throws three picks again against the Chiefs, they're going to lose by like 17 points. And I do think that. And my money's on that. I, uh, I'm, I think the Chiefs are going to win as well. You know, it's the, the experience versus the enigma that is Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense. But they're, they just have way too much firepower for, for Tampa to handle, I think. Um, like you said, too, Brady just hasn't looked quite as crisp this year. Um, and again, the Packers lost because they, they got two interceptions in a row and had, went two straight three and outs. Like Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are not going to do that. But they're going to make you pay for those turnovers. Um, I did have one little nugget, as Curtin would say here, not quite as many as him, but um, Tom Brady has made it now to 10 Super Bowls in his 21 seasons, which is a rate of 47%. And for reference, Stephen Curry has a career uh, percentage of 43% from beyond the, the three-point line. So technically, Tom Brady has a better chance year in to make the Super Bowl than Steph Curry does when he attempts a three-pointer. So I thought that was kind of an interesting little little stat. That is a fun fact. Thanks to Twitter for that one. This is an analytics podcast, and that was your reminder. Yeah, we're crunching the heavy numbers. Dalton, this is where you insert the Chris Berman, you're all on the Chiefs. And then you probably go with the Chiefs too. Yeah, I liken this to Peyton Manning's first Super Bowl with the Broncos when they lost like 700 to 3 to the Seahawks. Analytics. I think that's going to be the same case. I think the Chiefs are going to absolutely annihilate the Buccaneers 52-10. Wow. Wolf. 50-burger. Hammer the over. Are you guys are you guys big commercial people like in the Super Bowl? Is that one of the passions for watching it or is it the game or a little bit of both? I was until like Twitter was invented and now my brain won't let me watch commercials. Like anytime there's a stop in any action in any sporting event, my phone has to be out and I have to be on Twitter. So I don't even like recognize that commercials exist anymore. And if I do want to watch them, YouTube also exists so I can just circle back because, you know, I got a small bladder. I got to pee a lot too. I'm not going to be sitting there watching commercials. I kind of think that uh, I feel like maybe it's just the the culture now is like, I feel like commercials were better back in the day. And I feel like everyone always says that, you know, but I feel like it was a little more, they used to be edgy, which was like made them more fun. And now they're like, you have to be so politically correct or you're going to get like blasted on Twitter, you know? So com- commercials are like, they're not they're not as edgy and then it makes them a little less fun i think this is an analytics and social commentary <laughs> podcast <laughs> connor, Watch out. connor after that statement in the middle of that statement seven more twins on the active roster became younger than you you just aged yourself even more by saying that something is, like that's, that. that's a good point but i i don't think you can disagree like the commercials just are not that fun like do you remember the good old like Doritos commercials back in even like five years ago they were so much better than they are now Connor's like remember the GoDaddy commercials where you thought it was porn and it wasn't and you went there that's what I need that, give me more of that energy <laughs> yeah after that commercial I started watching uh the Super Bowl alone just in case you know <laughs> but can you disagree with that like the commercials are not nearly as good now. I'm with you I'm with you on that take thank you for God's sakes speak up man 
you can still get a great heartfelt commercial like when you got the dog with the Clydesdales like that's still going to be although Budweiser's out this year they're out they're like we're not going to participate in your dumb games they know it's shit too has the bubble burst has the bubble burst I would say maybe and that's a definitive statement I would like to just throw in a little nugget uh, on on a personal standpoint. Um, the Wild just announced Marco Rossi is not going to play this year because um, he's had some like COVID stuff, and so I would like to be the first to acknowledge myself as getting one of my pick f- take fives right. So, thank you to me. Uh, congratulations to me on getting at least one of my take fives right. Marco Rossi will not be on the Wild this year. Round of applause, everyone. Connor, you get one more of those, right? And you almost have the same three-point percentage as Steph Curry. Analytics. (laughs) (laughs) Numbers. All right, we're moving into our last segment here. We're calling this Top 20 Trivia. It's the first ever mini market game. I have two lists of the top 20 players in a Minnesota franchise for a given statistical category. And you three are going to have to guess those players. We're going to go in a circle. Each of you are going to get a chance. We're going to go around. So as we start, every correct answer, you get two points. If you get an answer wrong, after that, each of your correct answers is only worth one point. If you answer incorrectly twice, you're out. So we're going to go through one list, and then we're going to reset and start the second list. Does that make sense? Yep. Yes. Okay. So the first top 20 list, Minnesota Vikings career leaders in receiving touchdowns. Again, the topic is career receiving touchdowns in Minnesota Vikings history. All right. We're starting with Isaiah and then Connor and then Lucas. Nice. Randy Moss. Correct. Randy Moss, second all-time with 92 career receiving touchdowns with the Vikings. Uh, What is Chris Carter? Up to off the board right away. I'm going to go a little throwback to last episode. Sammy White. Sammy White, fourth all-time. Ahmad Rashad. Third all-time. You guys are taking him right off the top. I would like to go with Sydney Rice. Sydney Rice, 19th on the list with 18 career touchdowns. Sneak in there. Sneak it. Woo-hoo-hoo. I am going to go with Basante Shanko. 13th all time. Bang. Clever. Nice. That was nice. Okay. I'm going to go Troy Williamson. But he does have the record for fastest car driven in the on 169. So. so, Ike, all of your correct answers for the rest of this list are only worth one point. The score is currently, you all have four points. Isaiah's incorrect answer might hurt him. Uh, am I next? Yes, Connor. Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs is correct. Ninth all time with 30 career touchdowns. I'm going to go with Adam Thielen. Six it. Okay, that was good. I should have gone with either of those two before Troy Williamson. So <laughs> nobody to blame but myself. Uh, I'm going to go Kyle Rudolph. 
Fifth all time. 48 career touchdowns. Two behind Sammy White. Oh, geez. I'm scrambling now. I am going to go with Jimmy Kleinsasser. <laughs> <laughs> not even close. I don't know where he is, but not even in the top 50, if I had to guess. Oh, Lord. You hate to see it. Uh, I'm going to go with Percy Harvin. Percy Harvin could pull 17th all-time with 20 receiving touchdowns. Um, okay, this one, I'd probably be out on this, but I'm going to go with, he, he just played long enough, per, or, uh, Adrian Peterson. No, Adrian Peterson is not on the list. Ike, you are out for the remainder of this round. How many more do we have? Well, it was fun while it lasted. What a ride. I think I'll be coming out here quick. <laughs> you have 10 left. You guys have gotten 10. Yeah. 10 left? Oh, my I God. I am going to go a similar route and go with Dalvin Cook. No, Dalvin Cook is not on the list. <sighs> Connor, you are out. I am going to go with Nate Burleson. Incorrect. So, Lou, you can keep guessing, right? You've only got one wrong? Yeah. Bernard Berrien. Incorrect. Oh. Everyone is out. The Chicago Bears. <laughs> we suck. All right, who do you miss? Yeah, so let's go through who you guys missed. So you missed the number three all-time receiving touchdowns leader in Viking history, Anthony Carter. I think earlier I said Ahmad Rashad was third, but he was actually seventh. So Anthony Carter, third all-time with 52 career-receiving touchdowns. Number eight all-time, Jake Reed. Oh, that's who I could not think of. I was like, who's the guy who was with Chris Carter and Randy Moss, right? He's that yeah, for the life of Number 10, Moss. Steve Jordan with 28. Then John Gilliam and Hassan Jones. Nothing. A couple older wide receivers. Uh, number 14 all-time, Chuck Foreman. There was the running back you guys were trying to guess. Damn you, Chuck. Bill Brown at 15. A fullback, the only fullback on the list with 23 career touchdown passes. Uh, Gene Washington, a receiver from back in the 60s and 70s. Uh, Jerry Rykow, just listed as an end, who played from 61 to 64. He had 19 career receiving touchdowns. That seems like a lot for back in that day. Uh, and then rounding out the list at 20, you guys missed Paul Flatley, a wide receiver from the 60s who had 17 career touchdowns. So you guys got, I thought you'd get a couple more. I thought you'd maybe get like 13, 14 of them. Jake Reed, that was pretty bad. Um, <laughs> just expose us. Yeah, you guys kind of sucked, but uh, I, I was just going to say, I feel like we did pretty good. Like we knocked out all the current ones. We missed a bunch from back in the day. Jake Reed was a bad miss. And but. we did even have a mention of Jimmy Kleinsasser, which I always enjoy. So can't always, get mad at that. Always fun. So you're telling me he was more of a blocking tight end? This is this. <laughs> So after the first round, we have Lucas leading with eight, Connor with six, and then Isaiah with five. Right there in it. We're right there. All right. I think you guys are going to do better on this second list. We have Lou leading with eight, Connor with six, Isaiah with five. Next list, Twins career home run leaders. Top 20. So again, I'll give you... A little bit to think, and then we'll start with Isaiah. 
It, would this be just um, home runs hit with the Twins? With the right? Twins. After last week, our Washington Senators debacle, I removed all home runs hit with the Washington Senators from consideration. All right. Let's get it started. Isaiah. Armin Killebrew. Boom. Number one all time. 559 home runs, but 475 with the Twins. I'm going to go Justin Morneau. Third all time. I say Kirby Puckett. Seventh all time. Kent Herbeck. Second all time. 293. Tony Oliva. Yup. Fourth all time. I will say Jason Kubo. Yes, 17th all time with 105 career home runs. Corey Koski. 19th all time with 101 home runs. Oops. Good pull, like. Michael G. Kadire. 12th all time. Or Tory Hunter. 5th all time. Miguel Sano. 14th all time. Joseph L. Maurer. Correct. 11th all time. Jim Tomey. Incorrect, Lou. Not in the top 20. You had a nice run, man. Rod Carew. Rod Carew. Yeah. Incorrect. What? Really? I had him too. Thank Not a home run hitter. Up. So Isaiah, the rest of your guesses are worth one point. I would like to go Max Kepler. Correct. 18th all time. Go Paul Molitor. Incorrect. Oh, oh, Paul Molitor is not on the list. And Lucas, you are out. Later. So, Lucas, you have 16 points. Connor, you're currently at 16. And Isaiah has 13. Got to get hot. All right. This is a hot take. I'm going Josh Willingham. <laughs> Incorrect. You are out. <laughs> <laughs> For all the marbles, Eduardo Rosario. Correct. 15th on the all-time list with 119 home runs. Jock Jones. Correct. 13th on the list. That's a fun one to say, too. Um, how many are there left? Like five? There are five left. I'm going to have to go with Nelson Cruz. Incorrect. Nelson Cruz is not on the list. So, Connor, you win. I'll give you guys the five names, six names that you missed. Bob Allison. That was a tough one. That was from back in the day. Gary Gaetti was eighth all time. Ike, your fellow second baseman, Brian Dozier. Oh, Doge Dog. That was a bad miss. Doge Daddy. Dang it. Tom Brunanski, 10th. Roy Smalley, the voice of the Minnesota Twins. I had him down, but I was 16. like, oh, he was a contact guy. But Yeah, he just Shoot. played for a long time. And then 20 on the list, Jimmy Hall, 
which interesting fact about Jimmy Hall. He played way back in the day. He only played four seasons with the Twins back in like the 60s, and he hit 98 bombs in four seasons. It was like their first four seasons, and that, those were his first four seasons of his career. Pretty impressive start to your career for Jimmy Hall. The Bomba Squad. Yeah, 1.0. Well, that was fun. So that was top 20 trivia. That was a lot of fun. Thanks, Dolph, for putting that together. You guys crushed the Twins one. You can brush up on your Vikes a little bit, but you did your best. How many did Josh Willingham have? I feel like he was in the outfield <laughs> burning a hole in the grass forever. <laughs> I feel like he was on the team for like two years. Am I like I, crazy I think off? you're right. Maybe four at the most. Josh Willingham... In three seasons with the Minnesota Twins, he hit 61 home runs, and the 20th place hitter hit 98. So he's right there. Yeah. Give him two more years. He, he, was, he wasn't even in the ballpark. Yeah. Jeez. Couple more 20 homer seasons. All right. Well, that does it for this week. But we've got a special announcement. We're going to be doing another podcast podium in an upcoming podcast, and we would love to have a guest on the pod. So we're going to be putting out a tweet. And if you're interested in coming on the podcast for a future pod podium segment, give it a retweet and that'll enter you in a chance to come on the pod. Come join us. Your four favorite Minnesotans for a chance to discuss your pod podium of a topic to be determined. So this is the mini market pod. Don't forget to check us out. Rate us on Apple podcasts and Spotify online at tellemsports.com and on Twitter at tellemsports. See ya. We'll see you next week. Peace. I'll never get those 20 minutes back in my life.